We have follow-up. It's very exciting. I yes. always I, I love it when we when I can say that. Like uh, hang on, you mean we have listeners? We have we have listeners. And that's I exciting too. I just talked to you guys. Oh. You didn't tell me that when I got into this. Uh, he, I, 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 the, the microphone shoved in your face doesn't doesn't tell you that we uh, we're possibly going to have other people listening. No, good, good. It's, it's just strange. But not only do people listen, they listen and then respond with questions or comments. Or it's pretty cool. Yeah. So so this week uh, we got a uh, a tweet uh, in regards to the last episode, which was where we talked about Xamarin uh, to a certain extent. Apparently, we didn't talk about it enough. Well, I'm happy to talk more about it because since last episode, I've been doing more with Xamarin. In fact, I think I've now become a C-sharp.net developer. I'm no longer an Objective-C. Oh, no. <laughs> that's a big claim. Man. It's not quite that dramatic. Just this past week, I've done And seeing as we got lots of C-sharp. feedback on it, I too tried it out and have opinions. I haven't tried it out, but that's because mostly I am very busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've just find, found a way to work it into my work, which is good. Yeah. Um, because it's been on my list of, as I think I mentioned when Casey was on the show, uh, it's all, it was on my list of things I'd like to try out one day for ages. And uh, thankfully, having a, a good reason to try it out is good. Indeed. Well, uh, from V. Belay on uh, on Twitter. Hey, by the way, uh, he come he comes from Objective C, and he he uh, fell in love with with C sharp um, because he doesn't apparently doesn't like block. Block syntax, which In I don't understand. I, I love blocks. Type it solves every problem. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, speaking of Objective C block syntax, now would be a good time to plug the new website that's been doing the rounds. Have you guys seen yes. it? And what's this? It, what's this website? I can't remember the name, Ben. Neither. Probably it's involves something, swearing. It does involve swearing. Someexpletiveblocksyntax.com. Uh, yeah. We'll stick it in the show notes. We'll stick it in the show notes for those of you. We don't want to. We don't. We don't want to. Uh, Test the waters with our uh, with, with with the uh, iTunes ratings business. Yeah. I'm sure the iTunes ratings people don't listen to us. I'm, sh- I'm sure they I don't, don't. want to hurt my virgin ears. Um, <laughs> but that, for Poor people ben. that haven't seen that website, uh, follow the link in the show notes, and it is a nice crib sheet for sort of remembering block syntax. Because I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't matter how often I use blocks, I always have to look up the syntax for declaring like a method that takes a block as a parameter, for example. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I always I- forget. I'm the same, but don't you just type def it? I don't even have to remember it. I type def, you type type def block, and there's and a nice snippet a for snippet. it, and you fill it out. And Speaking then you put that snippets, in your. Yeah? This, this week, NS Hipster focused on snippets, Xcode snippets. Oh, I haven't read that yet. And Is I was actually really cynical because to me, snippets and templates and things like that are like the worst form of code reuse ever. Yeah. It's like basically copying and pasting made yeah. easy. And I kind of cringe. But having said that, thinking of things like, you know, um, common patterns like, you know, wanting to declare a singleton using dispatch ones mm-hmm. or declaring blocks using type def and things like that. So, um, check out NS Hipster because it shows you how to use the built in snippets that come in Xcode and how to create new ones and save them. I shall check that out. So, VBelay, uh, actually wanted to, wanted us to mention that, uh, because we apparently didn't, uh, that, there's a whole because of because of the way that Xamarin works with C sharp. Um, there's a whole lot of code that you can reuse on multiple platforms. We didn't apparently cover that very well. Yeah, and I think that was actually a really really good point. Um, I was approaching Xamarin, I guess, a little bit based on the kind of context in which I was considering using it or recommending its use. Was right, where 
a team of people with a background in .NET development and C Sharp were tasked with building an iPad app, thinking, okay, well, this is a way of using the UI kit and uh, foundation APIs from with C Sharp as the programming language hmm. um, and Xamarin as the sort of IDE. Uh, and I guess my critique of it in last episode was based on sort of that context, not really thinking about the alternatives, which is, well, what if you're actually tasked with building an iPad app and an Android tablet app or an iPhone and Android phone app? Then you actually do have that real benefit of potential reuse. And um, this week I've been looking at it more with that perspective in mind and thinking of this particular iPad app I'm, I'm working on. I've kind of looked, separated the layers a little bit and got my um, data access layer. Instead of using core data, which is what I'd probably planned to do, I thought, well, why don't I do that data access layer in a way that would work across platforms? So just using C Sharp and some .NET libraries to parse XML and store it in a data store and um, expose an API that other parts of my app can consume in order to get at the data. Yeah. Write that without any um, sort of reference to foundation or any iOS-specific frameworks. And then uh, do a kind of view layer that uses collection view and calls my the underlying data layer to get at the data. And it's actually worked coming together really nicely. I can see I, I used... Um, so another bit of the follow-up we got or a bit of the feedback we got was that um, Xamarin also includes a component kind of store or yeah so uh, fr- so that that comes from uh, from Nat Friedman who is one of the co-founders of Xamarin well thank you for passing that on thank you for thank passing you for that listening. on um, so I had a look at that as well and uh, that's where I got so I, I last time I did not net.net development my approach for persisting data was to use nHibernate and I think that was probably because I was informed from a background in Java where I used Hibernate which is a object relational mapping framework for yep. persisting plain old Java objects in Java and plain old C sharp objects in uh, .NET um, and so I started looking about okay if I'm not going to use core data but I want to have something that will work on both Android and iOS what can I use and I had a look to see if there was nHibernate kind of packaged for use in Xamarin Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't look like it has been. I, I don't think there'd be anything to stop me from doing it. Um, but most of the documentation and the examples and the um, comments I saw from other developers were sort of saying they thought nHibernate was a bit heavy as far as ORM, ORMs on mobile went, um, which I think is kind of interesting and maybe another discussion because to me nHibernate is kind of equivalent to core data in terms of its heaviness, like the okay. degree of functionality and things that it's got but um having said all of that uh, i ended up sort of getting directed towards the component that component marketplace store whatever it is components.xamarin.com um and yeah there's one for sqlite which includes um the sqlite apis and a really lightweight uh object relational mapping framework that allows you to persist um your objects to sqlite Mm -hmm. um and in fact the component thing was like there is that website you can go to, but also within Xamarin, if you just double click on your solution, which is like a equivalent to your Xcode project, uh, if you just double click on the components kind of group, uh, it loads up that components marketplace directory thing. Right. And from there, it's just one click to add a library to your project. That's impressive. It's awesome. So it's, it's almost kind of like, like it's kind of like uh, like Cocoa Pods, but but, but 
yeah, IDE support for it. Yeah, it's better built into like, the. Could you imagine in Xcode, right, going to double click on where it says frameworks? Yeah, and for it to bring up a list of all third party, oh, Jira, man. like basically the CocoaPods list. That would be one so good. They add what a dream. Yeah, one day. It's kind of really interesting because I mean Apple are kind of moving that way for Apple's frameworks for making it easier to add references and yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, so it was really easy to integrate. Um, and when I added the SQLite component to my solution, it comes with the uh, the library obviously I need to call, but also with code samples, so I can just again one click and it adds a project that has an example um, to my solution, so I can see how other people have used it. Um, yeah, really cool. Yeah. I got comments on Xamarin as well. I was yeah. pleasantly surprised. Because so, you started using it. Yeah, I gave yeah. it a quick go. Yep. Just to have a look. Um, the IDE feels like super native and I was expecting this horrible cross-platform thing, you know, like what you expect. Oh, Java. yeah. When you say cross-platform to me, the first thing yeah. that, I, that I think of is like the old school Windows look with the like the grey bevel with the white and the darker, slightly darker grey. That's That's the thing that comes to mind when I think of cross-platform. Possibly, be, possibly because I've been looking at Audacity for too long. <laughs> well, it's not like that. So, the installer <laughs> is, like, quite nice and it's pretty. I like pretty. Pretty is and good. And um, that was all super smooth and starting a trial was, again, really smooth. You just make an account and it automatically comes into the IDE. Um, and, yeah, it's native. And there's some, some things are even better in Xamarin. For instance, it hides all of the, and I guess they had to because to be cross-platform, but it hides all of the sort of, looking up, pulling a resource from the bundle rather than having to do that NS bundle, main bundle, path or resource thing. You just type in the name, folder slash name as your path and it, it handles that for you because when it gets to Android, I guess it has to do something different. Yep. But it's nice having that hidden. It's just, yeah. Yeah, there are... There are- there, there, are, you know. I mean, that 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 comes with building your own kind of libraries as well. I mean, which which Xamarin technically kind of is. Mm. Um, I mean, that that's the sort of thing that I like to do with Objective C, like by wrapping. I just wrap stuff and then reuse it later. Mm. Um, I think I did something of that nature in keyboard, but I don't remember. But that's off topic. So, but yeah, no, I that 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 sounds really really cool. And if then, I, yeah, if when I you had the time to actually play with it and didn't have all this, you know, web work for clients to do, uh, I would probably play with it a bit. You just need to get find some clients to get you to do cross platform mm-hmm. from Android, iOS stuff, and then you get an opportunity. Yeah, it's so play. it's so easy to not do that, though. See, yeah. it's so easy to just uh, because I have deals with clients that where I just continually get work from them. Um, it's so easy to not go out and find anything else because I'm getting yeah. paid. It's only when I start to not get paid which happened a little while ago, and uh, you go through a drought, that's when you kind of go, ah, I need to find other sources of income. Ah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I have, I'm not at that stage, so I'm just happily taking the money that I that I can get. So, there's yeah. that. So, the kind of the point I'm at at the moment in my evaluation of Xamarin is um, I am impressed by it. I can certainly see situations where I use it or recommend its use but i'm not sure if i would use it myself if someone say i got another job to do a cross-platform app right i'm not sure i would turn to xamarin for it and why is that i mean i've still so despite being impressed by it um i've still got a few lingering reservations around the i guess community of use 
that builds up around technology. Right, which we talked about last yeah. week, yeah. And so, I mean, for example, if a client asks me to do a cross-platform app and I, I've got to think about the technology I, I can use to get it done quickly and get it done well, and it could be that Xamarin could be that for me. Like in terms of um, I've certainly found it slower going doing things in Xamarin than I would if I was just using sort of the native iOS technologies I'm more familiar with. And that's just because I've spent less time using the C-sharp language. Right. I'm less familiar with with things. And whereas I just do it in Objective-C, I've got to stop and look it up. Um, I could see that extra time getting shorter and shorter as I gain familiarity. And then I could see potentially a huge boost in productivity if it came to doing, say, an Android app because I could potentially reuse the whole sort of back-end code. Um, but weighed against that would be, well, what would I leave the client with when I sort of moved on to another project? Um, if they wanted to ever be able to get someone else to work on it, um, are they going to have a hard time finding someone that's familiar with Xamarin and C Sharp and .NET? Or are they going to be find it easier to find someone that's an Android dev or an iOS dev? Um, and that's kind of... And just and also things like um, yeah, I, I think yeah, you'd end up building expertise around the set of components that are available through through Xamarin's components catalog, um, instead of building up the expertise with the more native Objective C libraries and components or the Android ones. And I kind of personally feel like I'm. That that perhaps that if I the longer I spent working with Xamarin and building up that expertise, the more I'd be kind of painting myself into a corner that I sure. I'd have to kind of invest in it for the long term. Yeah. And I just kind of feel like I'd personally rather invest my time and skills and knowledge into the kind of mainstream of the mobile platform, which is to me iOS and Android. But I, I'm kind of wanting to still keep an open mind about it because I can... As I said, I can, you know, for example, if you've got, um, as one of the clients I'm working with at the moment, if you've got a whole team with a background in doing .NET development with existing .NET skills and C Sharp, then, and you kind of got a long-term plan for keeping that team going, then having that team build a skill set around doing mobile based on Xamarin would make a lot of sense. Hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I guess I'm thinking more of sort of client work where you're kind of commissioned to write an app and then leave them with the code so that they can do stuff with it in the future. I just feel a little bit like, you know, it's. I should be responsible for making sure that what they've got is something that's a little bit more mainstream and not too niche. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. That makes sense. Well, having been recently done some native Android stuff as well, and would, how do you feel about that sort of Yeah, balance? it had a similar feeling because when I was doing the Android stuff, I was definitely slower than when I was on iOS. So, I... I was kind of used to the the speed, I guess. Um, but I, I think you're right. I'd, I'd still prefer investing my skills in learning the proper native. Because I don't think... I think if someone came to me and said, hey, I want an Android app, I think I would want to do it in Java and properly mm. do it native. I don't think I would want to use a cross-platform tool just because I was familiar with it, even though I, it would never be cross-platform. Yeah. The thing that really impresses me about Xamarin is it's not a cross-platform tool. I mean, it can, but so approaches to doing cross-platform mobile development like vary. Uh, at one end of the continuum is using native, completely native technologies for each platform, the kind of native tool chains and languages and libraries, and then at the other end of the continuum is trying to write a single set of source code that that 
is exists for both apps. And at that far end of the continuum, you've got things a little bit like, I think, I guess, phone gap, where they say sort of basically use web technologies to build your whole app because that'll yeah. work everywhere and then do a really, really thin wrapper for each platform. Um, and then uh, Xamarin kind of, to me, is much closer towards the fully native end because um, it allows you to use the UI kit and foundation kind of libraries on iOS and the equivalent on Android. So it's, you are actually calling into the native libraries and using native user interface elements and, you know, your app is indistinguishable from a native app when it's running on the device, but you get the opportunity to program in a different language and potentially share certain parts of your back end. Or I do think they've also got that middle point as well, where I, th- I believe they've got a kind of abst- a version, like a UI library that abstracts common components that exist in both Android and iOS so that you could actually just write your UI code once as well. Yeah. But I don't think I'd ever really I wouldn't want to do take that. that approach. I just feel like it's a huge third-party dependency that for an app, say I say I knew it was only ever going to be Android or only iOS, I don't think that dependency is anywhere close to being worth it, especially for me. Maybe if you do have .NET experience, but still, that's my current thoughts on it. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like it's not a really simple thing for me because um, in terms of programming languages, I actually, um, so I think... I had done more C. I did a bit of Objective C way back, like in Mac OS X public beta days, uh, and then I focused mainly on Java for a, a long period of time, and then had a fair bit of .NET in there as well, doing C sharp, and then kind of got back into Objective C when iOS came out. Um, and so when I was first exposed to C sharp, I actually grew to really like it as a language. Oh, yeah, um, me too. More it's than great. Objective-C. Like, it's got some really nice language features. Um, and so part of me has always felt a little bit like um, I love the frameworks and libraries available on iOS and, and macOS, but the programming language, although it's getting heaps better, I've kind of, you know, like, I've, I guess I've learned to love it whereas rather than feeling great about it straight away. Uh, and so I've always kind of thought, wouldn't it be interesting if Apple picked a different language? And if they did, I'd always hoped that it would be C-sharp. Um, that's never going to happen. No, it's obviously <laughs> going to happen. But it kind of Xamarin is kind of that, right? It like is. It's, it's kind of one of my uh, one of my hopes fulfilled. But the problem is that it's not Apple doing it. It's a third party. And so you do have that dependency. Yeah. You've got, you know, you, you end up using a technology that the bulk of the developers on the platform aren't using. So you lose the opportunity to, to kind of be part of that community. Um, and you potentially you know, become dependent on a platform and product that you don't know that the platform vendor itself, the sort of mobile platform vendor, is is necessarily going to continue to support or, you know, mightn't always be around. So, mm. Well, for those for those uh, listening who do de- develop Xamarin, um, maybe maybe what we can do is get you guys to uh, to write in and tell us tell us what you think and why why you choose Xamarin over over doing uh, you know native objective C or native Java uh, for Android because um, I, I think that's I think that would be really interesting and probably helpful to both both to us because I mean we're, we're coming from a from a point of view where you know we, we mostly write uh, write iPhone apps and, and games um, and uh, having having a perspective that we uh, we you know, may not necessarily share 
is always helpful. Mm, so, uh, it, so before we move on, I'm just going to, you know, you can go to uh, mobilecouch.co forward slash contact or you can tweet at us at uh, underscore mobilecouch or on app.net at just mobilecouch. And, uh, and yeah, tell us why you use Xamarin. Tell us why you use whatever framework that you use because I think, I think that's really interesting, helpful. And we're not, we're not here to, you know, just, uh, you know, talk about Objective-C all the time. We're, we want, like, we're, we're mobile couch, not Objective-C couch. You know, it, it'd be helpful for you guys to join join the conversation, Definitely. join the couch, and we, we'd Yeah, I'd we'd really love be it. interested. Yeah. Yeah. And while we're soliciting contacts from people with experience using Xamarin, I've got a specific issue I've run into questions. <laughs> okay. So, this is just an example of um, a little bit of the frustration I've been having learning, I guess, where approaching a problem where if I was using the technologies I was most familiar with, it'd be a quick thing. Right. Um, whereas... Not using those technologies, I'm finding it tougher going. Sure. Uh, the specific example is I'm doing a uh, iPad app that uses a collection view to display a grid of thumbnail images. Yep. Um, I've got a collection view cell subclass. Um, one interesting little tidbit in terms of how Xamarin approaches that compared to how I'd do it on using Xcode is I'd I would probably tend, being such a fan of storyboards, uh, to have my collection view controller within my storyboard and it, to have a collection view cell, prototype cell, within the collection view controller within the storyboard. Yep. Um, and then to write a subclass for that cell. Um, and generally what I do in my subclass is I create outlets for the user interface elements within the cell. So in this case, the image view. Mm-hmm. And then I expose a property, which is the type of thing that I am want the cell to be passed. So in this example, the app displays a grid of thumbnails that represent artworks, like paintings. So I've got an artwork class, and my collection view cell subclass is an artwork cell, and it has a property artwork, and it has an outlet to its image view. So I do all of that in um, the storyboard. And then in the collection view controller delegate in my DQ reusable cell with identifier, I would get the reference to the prototype cell from the storyboard, cast it to the type that I knew know that it is, and pass it the, the right thing. So um Xamarin, I couldn't find a way of doing that. I couldn't find a way of, of having the prototype cell in my storyboard. It seems to want you to use zibs, like a separate zib for your table view and collection view cells. Okay. Um, and this kind of ran into some of the differences between the languages. Like, um, see, and this is where my knowledge of C sharp is getting vague and sketchy. I couldn't, f- uh, in Objective C, if I cr- create a cell subclass, I override in it with coder because that's the constructor that's called when your cell is being decoded from a storyboard mm-hmm. or a zip file. Um, I call the superclasses implementation, and then I do some custom code. Um, I couldn't figure out actually how to override a constructor in C-sharp. Okay. It's just, you know, one of these things. So I ended up uh, not following that approach and just using the one that they seem to recommend, which was quite nice, because you could just do a new, like, they've got... Again, talking about code reuse templates, I've got a new template for a collection view cell, and it creates the subclass and the zip for you. Hmm. Uh, so it was pretty straightforward. And then in my collection view controller, I just register the uh, zip that I want to be 
available for a specific reuse identifier. Like this is available on iOS and through Xamarin. There's an API where you can say for a given table view or collection view, register this zip as the thing yep. that will provide cells for this reuse identifier. Um, so I've got these cells. They're displaying an image. Yep. Right. What I would normally do on iOS is use something like AF networking's UI image view category, which adds a method to an image view to load its image from the web. Uh, and it supports um, caching that automatically, uh, downloading it from the web, uh, cancelling the download if the cell is no longer being used, supports cell reuse, things like that. Um, without that existing, uh, so on Xamarin, I can't find a way to easily use AF networking, so it doesn't seem to be in their list of already wrapped Objective-C libraries. The documentation I read about wrapping a, a library seemed to be a little bit vague on what it does with block-based libraries. Okay. Um, and it just looked like it was going to be so much work to wrap AF networking just so I could use a single category on image view. So I thought, okay, I'll just do this myself. Um, and so I've started down the path of writing my own implementation of an asynchronous image, an image view that can asynchronously load an image from the web and cache it if need be and all the rest of it. I mean, I'm partly way down that path and I'm sure I could persist with it and that would work. But it feels like, yeah, whereas on iOS, I've got like AF networking and Nimbus both have categories on UI image view that all asynchronously load images from the web. Couldn't find anything like that within the Xamarin kind of community. Um, and that, I guess that's just an example where if I was using the stack that I'm familiar with, it would have taken maybe five minutes. But instead, I've spent hours on it. So basically... So basically, you want uh, you you would like to have somebody that uh, tell you how to where, where yeah, you can what find would you this. Do? Yeah, if, yeah. You, if you were doing well, what um, would you do a table view or collection view cell that displayed an image that came from the web and supports like caching and and cell reuse and stuff, uh, what would you use in Xamarin to do that? Would you just write the code yourself to do it, um, or would you? Is there a component that I'm just unaware of? Or yeah, because it feels like you're reinventing the wheel. It really does. Um, Although it's kind of been an interesting learning curve. I've refamiliarized myself with C Sharp and how it does kind of uh, closures, um, which mm -hmm. is nice. I quite, quite like the syntax. It is simpler than the Objective-C block syntax. Mm -hmm. um, but then you still got to deal with issues like, uh, so I've got like, you know, I set the artwork on my cell and as soon as it's set, I go and trigger a request in the background to download the image, have a kind of completion handler or that runs when the image downloads. And, um, yeah, got to deal with things like, okay, if by the time the image is finished downloading, that cell is now being reused to display a different artwork, what do I do with the image that I get? Do I run to disk so it's available if I need it later? Do I just throw it away? Do I have to check to, yeah, all mm. that sort of guff. And as soon as I'm writing this, I'm like going, surely, surely someone's encountered this and there's got to be a simpler way. But all right. Well, if you've encountered it, give us a heads up and uh, we would we, we'll share it on the show, I think, probably. And yeah. sorry for the long-winded explanation of the problem. It's cool. That's okay. I'm sure nobody minds. No, I'm sure they've lost all our listeners. We've got two they've, now. They've all fallen asleep. Yeah. Wake up! <laughs> the two are me and Jelly. Yeah. <laughs> You've fallen asleep. <laughs> We're locked in this room. Uh, we can't I have, go anywhere. I've, I've fallen asleep. So the other the other thing that we've got uh, that's come in, uh, in this week is uh, from, from the other Ben, a uh, friend of the show. I think he's a, by, by now he's a friend of the show. Oh, he's definitely, definitely uh, Ben Ben Williamson on on App.net. He suggested a topic idea, and so I'm going to put it to you: uh, physical health. 
How do you guys look after yourself? Hunching over a laptop in a cafe can't be great. Have you, have you seen me working lately, Ben? Is this is this where this has come from? <laughs> have you seen just me, Ben? I yeah. think he's referring to me. He's obviously asking how I maintain my peak physical condition. <laughs> <laughs> you are quite a looker there. We'll, yeah. let, you, we'll let you answer this one. <laughs> well, no, this actually is kind of timely because I recently looked up standing desks, which right. turned out to be way too expensive for a desk. But have you heard this whole movement that sitting all day is bad for us? Oh, yeah. 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 Standing desks are a thing. They're okay. like the in thing right yeah. now. Well, you, see, so you can even go beyond standing desk and have a treadmill desk. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's, like, that's hardcore. Don't hard stand, but you walk. You don't walk all day, do you? Not Some all day. <laughs> not all. You know, not you're not supposed to stand or walk all day. The idea is that you alternate between standing, sitting. Do you progress walking. to a run? So you just run all day. I don't know. That would be and uh, type. That would be really hard. I, I would be missing keys because it's really hard to run and and do that sort of stuff at the same time. Have you ever tried like at the at the gym on yeah, on, a tread, a on a treadmill trying to like send a message or use a thing? You'd like I always find myself like trying to tap the phone and it's going all over the place not a good experience um but are you seriously considering a stand-up desk i was but i don't think i can justify the price yeah. we're talking like two thousand dollars oh that is that is that pricey is, that is pricey so because i want one that you can easily move up and down yeah yeah because i've heard obviously like sitting down all day is bad but yep. standing up all day is also bad like yeah. you look at people who do that for a job and they're no better off so yep. you need to Alternate. There is a, there's a, uh, speaking of work, hunching over laptops in cafes all day. Um, there is a cafe in Canberra that has a bar that's at the right height to stand up and stand up at and work. Really? Mm. Which one's that? Cream. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, yeah that, that was the one that I, window. that was the one that I was thinking top. about. Um, actually. so I have occasionally like done, you know, an hour or so work there where I'm standing, but that, um, I don't even want to pass it off as trying to look after my health. Because it's clearly not enough, but um, yeah, I think it's a really, really good question. I fail completely. Oh, I fail as well. I can, I can guarantee you. Just, I mean, for for those of you who are not in this room and can't see the giant box of crunchies that is sitting on my uh, on on my shelf over there, <laughs> which we may have partaken in. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I clearly fail at, at just general health as opposed to uh health while you know while I'm uh, working. But that being said, like there is there is other things just uh, as opposed to like you know uh healthy eating and stuff because I I think I, I think we had a talk about this off air last week, uh, Ben, uh Ben in the room, Ben. Yes. Uh, and uh, we were talking about chair because you were talking about how uh, oh, your yeah. workplace yeah, yeah, yeah. was buying you a chair. And uh, I, I spent a lot of money on my chair. Like, uh, when I... Not this one. This is a stool. Yeah, okay. uh, the chair is... <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the, the chair that I that I sit in to work in all day, I spent, like, a good, you know, half a grand on uh, and probably would have been perfectly happy to spend more because, uh, I mean, let's be honest, um, you are sitting in... You are sitting all day mm. uh, and... Or, you know, if you're sitting, then you you should really be sitting uh, correctly. And so I've got a chair that really that was was really comfortable and and uh, and make sure that I, I'm sitting you know properly as opposed to uh, uh, as opposed to you know in a bad uh, you know, hunched over position. I don't really. I, I have to be honest. I don't really work at cafes uh, very uh, uh, very much. 
I don't know why I've forgotten that word. Often? Often, often was the word I was looking for. Yes, I do, on the other hand, with cafes. Yeah. Exceedingly often. Um, and not just cafes, but around the place. I guess I like to move around a bit um, and work at different locations. Um, so I tend to use a laptop rather than a desktop or a laptop connected to a display because I don't have a regular location I go to where I can leave my display. And that, that is sure. an issue because I do hunch over my laptop lots. And something I'm sure all developers, no matter how you've organized yourself, uh, an issue I face is um, you get into the zone. You get like so absorbed or like other people have described it as that word flow you know, where you're completely mm. absorbed mm-hmm. with a particular... And that's why I think what one of the things that's so enjoyable about coding, like that you can just completely absorb yourself in an activity to almost to the exclusion of any other thought for a, for a period of time. Yeah, no, I totally... Like, you know, and I find that I can't, like, pull back from that until you kind of get to a logical conclusion, like you're working on a particular feature or something... Right, got to yeah, get no, working. I've, yes, got to get yeah. complete. It's got to be. Of, it's got to be done to a certain extent, and then you can. Yeah. you can kind of safely leave it. Exactly. And yeah, then, and you can I kind of like can fine tune that a little bit. Like if it's getting ridiculously beyond the time frame I'd set for myself, and um, and it's mostly done and it works, and I have identified the rest of the work that I need to do to get it to completion, I can walk away. That's fine. But if it's like if it won't compile, or if it keeps crashing, or if there's like a, so you kind of can um end up spending maybe three hours on something where you thought you were only going to sit down somewhere for 30 minutes. Um, I find that can happen really easily. So you end up being unaware that you've actually sat in the same position. Perhaps it was an awkward position for such a long period of time. Um, and I know other people have like used techniques like, um, you know, you can get software that will draw, draw your attention to how much time has passed um, so that it will tell you to get up, right. stretch your legs, walk. Um, else. While I was working at uh, one of the design agencies in town, uh, I had a I had a, st- a stint where I worked there for you know on a regular basis for a couple of days a week, and uh, one of the designers there actually uh, set up a a timer to drink drink water. He he wanted to set it up so that every twenty minutes he just had a mouthful of water, and so that's what we did. We set up a timer, and the timer went off and made a horrendous noise and uh <laughs> and then and then you'd hear time. and then you'd hear around the office water 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 everybody's yelling out water <laughs> and everybody drinks and it was uh yeah so so like that sort of stuff can can really help and there's there's a there's a lot of timers out there that help you help you do that yeah. um you, I, I, I think you'll be able to find like three or four on the app store just you know yeah, on yeah, the, just looking for it uh, I've actually also thought about getting something like a Fitbit or an app or a yeah. So I I used I used one of those for a while. Um, I used the uh, I used the Nike Fuel Band. Um, yeah. And uh, how did it work? I I think that I tend I could be motivated by trying to like it's the gamification trying to get graphs to yeah. Go up or I found that I found that worked for a little while. I found that worked for me for a little while. But I I have uh I have a exceeding desire to not move (laughs) um it wasn't enough to keep me going and i eventually lost interest in actually trying to keep it up i I think there's i'm gonna have to find another thing to to motivate me to do that Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to work for somebody else uh mel has a fitbit now and she she loves it and she she um mel being my wife for those of you who don't know she she you know tries to keep her step, steps up every every day and uh, and you know goes through that. Um, I'm a much less uh, motivated and much less uh, 
habitual person, I find it very difficult to make habits stick. Mm. Um, I, I literally have to like find ways of reminding myself or I'll never, I'll never do it. And that, that became my problem. Um, I would forget to do it and I would forget to do it for three days and then I'd feel bad and feel like that I'd failed. And I think that's, that's not the way that you should approach yeah, it. Yeah. I, I struggle to find time for this. It's, I mean, it mm. feels like making excuses. This is, this is, to be frank, Ben, that's not in the room, friend, friend of the other ben, other, ben. Yeah. The other I, I'm ben. actually somewhat depressed by your question because it's making me think consciously about this issue, which I should think more about more often. But anyway, um, I struggle to find time to do stuff and I kind of feel like, uh, you know, my time's so flat out trying to get basically just my work complete and, you know, the stuff I've got to get done in life done. Um, I'm like, where would I fit more exercise or stuff in? But then having said all of that, the times that I have done it, like just gone for a walk or something, I sometimes find it's actually the best way of um, shifting gears in your mind a bit about a, a problem, for example. Oh, like definitely, if, yeah. Know, go for a walk and you end up coming back and thinking, oh, halfway through the walk, realize a different approach to, like perhaps if I went for a walk right now, my whole question about image view, loading images asynchronously in Xamarin, I'd just like have a revelation. And I find that I find that that's a, a the kind of approach that works for a lot of things actually. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of things that like if I take on a project that I've got to do like I've got to do kind of concepts about uh, you know even even some of the projects that I've done um, if I just if I just consciously have them sitting in the back of my head while I'm doing other things like I can I'll go for a drive I'll you know I'll be going to an event or something and it's just sitting there in the back of my mind I haven't done anything about it I haven't done any sketches I haven't done any you know uh, bits on a whiteboard or anything I've you know I I just don't don't do anything about it. I just think about it and I just commit myself to thinking about solutions to the problem. And inevitably, what ends up happening is, is I'll come up with this just seemingly brilliant idea uh, that I'll, that I'll, that is just like a revelation. And I have to, you know, then I, then I write it down and then I start to kind of expand on that because I, I find that, yeah, when, when you step away from code, yeah. that's, that's when it becomes really helpful. So I think uh, in, I, I think you know being able to kind of work that into your routine is a really is a really good yeah. idea. That's it. You've convinced me, all of you. I'm going to get myself one of those things with numbers so I can like gamify myself, and I'm going to like make a routine to every day have a period where I go for a walk and actually work it into my working day. So like I'll be like try and come up with a point in the day where I can um, have enough kind of coding problems seeded ready to be productive with my walking time. So right. I get back from my walk, having worked through some issues, feeling refreshed, exercising. This is so depressing that I'm saying this. Well, like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same I'm like in the same episode. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm follow up and say, actually, I've done nothing. I'm in the same boat. Um, I, this week, discovered that uh, that I have, an, I have a, a, quote, a health issue. It's not really a, that bad. Um I, I tweeted this earlier this week. I don't know if anybody saw the picture of my my uh, my mouse, my uh, magic mouse has along the sides of it the the aluminium has worn away. And I tweeted to ask if anybody had got this, and the response that I got was no. This is my my mouse I've had it for years, and it's like since it so came you out, like really grip your mouse. Well, it's either that I really grip my mouse, or it's that my I, I think what it is is that my my sweat is a, a little bit acidic. All oh, right, and uh, you melt your mouse. So I've I've like you're, you're a eaten, I've eaten my mouse, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm a superhero. I'm the I'm the uh, 
in- infinitely slow uh, acid man. Acid man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the infinitely slow acid man. You got to you okay. got to throw that in there. And apparently, like by you know doing the old uh, old Google Doctor Doctor Google uh, trick, um, found out that yeah, it's it's probably. Like it's probably my sweat is acidic, and uh, the best way to deal with that is to um, is to work some you know uh, exercise into your daily routine. And so I'm going to be, I've got to do that because I can't you know I can't eat it away at all my (laughs) all my gadgets. It's no good. Have you guys checked out Stuart Hall's seven minute workout app? I haven't, and it's a good story. It's a great story. In fact, we should get Stuart on the show. I'd really love. I know he listens. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Stuart. Um, we, I think we've linked a blog post he's written before, and I'd love to talk to him about that seven-minute workout app because the story behind that is just fascinating. Do you want to give us a brief yeah, so of it? The seven-minute workout is not a new thing. Some some sport university or something put out a paper that said all you really need to do is a seven-minute workout every day. That sounds so appealing. You should, have you tried it? You should try it. It's good. I tried it on Stuart's app. Okay. And it was pretty good. I'm going to try that with my Fitbit. Can, does his app gamify it? Does it like? Can I get no. graphs that go up and like little green lights and ticks and? Oh, maybe stickers. You might have to pay for that. Can I get a sticker. That's part of the story. Okay. Um, but anyway, so he he released a a paid app version of it that he made in one night. Um, it all the numbers are on his website. It's very open. But he didn't make too much, and then he made it free, and it skyrocketed in downloads and got to the top of the charts in a whole pile of places. Then he added an in-app purchase, but it was on the fall from his peaks, which then he made some money from, which he's given to charity. But we'll, we'll get him on and talk about it properly, and we'll link to the story, because the story's really good. But I brought it up because the app's good too, and you should try that for yours. You're is, saying you don't have enough time. Seven minutes. you yeah. got seven minutes. Is, and look, is that what you do, Ben? I have done it a few times. I found it... I'm trying to make it a habit. So, I, I'm already quite... Like, I don't have a problem being healthy. You just meant to say, I'm already quite fit. Yeah. You just take that away. As we mentioned before, you're the best looking out of the whole um, lot of us. So, I rock climb on Monday nights. I play golf. Um, actually, I got a good one. So, you don't sound like you got the same time issue that I've got here. How, how I play f- golf maybe once a month. He has a, he has an extra couple of days a week, I think. Okay. Um, you guys should... Have you checked out geocaching? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that I is have. the best nerd sport of all time. <laughs> Me and Emma will go out, you know, we'll put on the little Nike tracker thing and just sort of like, we originally did it around our area, but we found all the ones there. So, we'll, we'll drive to an area and just park the car and walk. And we're doing like 11K walks and stuff. Mm. Oh, wow. And you're not even like noticing. It's not exercise. It's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, th- I think that's definitely really, check that I out. I think that's really helpful. Having, having a point to what you're doing is really helpful the other one is do it with friends that's yeah motivation like yeah. rock climbing on monday nights is really about seeing my friends it's not really about exercise it's just fun yeah yeah see uh, you got to be fit to a point where you can get yourself off the ground onto that first <laughs> thing before it becomes fun <laughs> it's just- fair enough i've done rock climbing before mind you i was like 16 at the time i think um I don't know how I'd go. I was terrified. I'm scared to scared to death of of heights. Don't they like? Don't you have a rope? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that harness. doesn't matter. You can do bouldering. This is off topic, but you can do bouldering, which is um, like never above probably roof height, and you just fall onto a pad. And it's more about the puzzle of the wall rather than getting to the yeah. top. Right. Actually, yeah. the National Library has bouldering, doesn't yeah. it? 
Yeah, it's I know. Got, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is officially sanctioned or not, but people do it. But they all do the it time. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a big wall that's kind of got lots of texture, and people just climb maybe a half a meter up the wall and they go along it. Mm. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. The wall that's facing the lake. So it's completely off topic because if you're not in Canberra and you're not into well, there's plenty of people. There's uh, there are apparently plenty of listeners who aren't in Canberra because I'm fairly certain that we don't have the the number of. Uh, Objective C developers in Canberra that that are currently listening to the show. There's like two, aren't there? Do you, we've got more than two listeners. We have more than two. Woo! Hello, other two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so but we we, have, we we love you all the same. Should we return a bit to topic? Probably we should. Um, oh, and look, what, look, I think that we we can probably uh, cover cover one more one more thing before we. Uh, before we wrap up. So I wanted to just be completely selfish and go back to my whole issue of images downloading asynchronously caching thing and speak specifically about caching. Caching. Okay. Ca- caching? caching. Hello, American yeah. listeners. Hello, American listeners. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, I don't know the correct way of pronouncing that word, but let's say keeping a copy of something locally it- so that it's quicker to get at next time. Here we say caching. Over right. in America, they say caching. Uh, for the purposes of this uh, particular show, I think we can continue to say caching because, well, we are Australian, and right. so we we can talk like Australians. I think that's acceptable. So caching, yeah. Right? Um, I am trying to figure out how iOS works right. with respect to caching, and I'm a little bit confused by it because I I think it's changed a bit. I'm not sure my knowledge is kept up to date, so I'm hoping you two will be able to explain things to me. But I thought that uh, once upon a time, um, NSURL connection didn't cache, although the documentation said that it did. Uh, there is there is apparently some caching that goes on with yeah, it. Yeah, you said it. It's one of the one parameters. Of the pro- yeah. And then I've, I've since heard that it got to a point where it did actually respect the parameters that you passed. Oh, so it never it didn't. I don't think initially, I think version one or whatever, okay. they basically just, it had the same documentation as it did on foundation on uh, Mac OS, but the behavior on iOS was different. It definitely works now. Um, but does that apply to, like, for example, if I'm downloading data for images that's like 500K or so in size, um, does that cache automatically for me if I just I use don't NSL think so. URL connection? I have never tested it. It definitely works for things like, you know, small requests because that's tripped me up before where I was firing a request like at a, a server. Or something. Yeah. And I was getting the same stuff back and I was like, what? what's going on? Right. And that was just, I'd set it to use caching and obviously you don't want to do that. Um, but I'm not sure about images. I've always done that myself and my, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Well, I used to always do it myself, but then, um, returned to look at it recently. Uh, and in particular, I was looking at this exact same use case of images. Um, and AF Networking's documentation, AF Networking doesn't have caching, caching of images by default. And it referred you to, I think it was called SD image cache, SD cache. Um, and said, if you want a good implementation of caching that you can use with AF Networking, use this one. And then I followed the link and I went to their GitHub page and they're like, this is no longer relevant because iOS now just does it. Oh. However, when I, you know, used uh, NSURL connection to download data and set the caching properties that I wanted to happen, um, it didn't seem to actually be caching things. And I'm wondering if there's still rules that apply, like if the response is over a certain size, it doesn't, or it caches it in memory but not on disk 
Or, mm. So I guess um, if, yeah, I, I'm trying to understand this whole picture a bit better or at least ask you, so what's your approach? You do it manually. Yeah, I've always done it manually. I stick it in an NS cache first. Right, which is in memory only, right? NS cache yep. was a new class introduced in iOS 5 or 6. Yeah. Yeah. Recently. Recently. Um, but that's memory only. Memory only. So but it's it nice because means- it'll like dump things that you haven't used for ages yeah. and things like that. And so things, for example, like my collection view or if it was a table view um, cell and I'm just downloading really small image thumbnails. Yeah, you'd probably be fine. Because getting them from a disk based case should probably make my scrolling a little bit jerky, maybe. Because mm. it'd be hitting disk. It'd be nice to get it from a memory based cache. And you could probably afford to keep. What, 10 meg, 20 meg of images? I think you can set it by memory. I can't remember now. Okay. Um, but yeah, then I, after that, I stick it on disk as well. And you do that manually? No yeah, way. I've always done I think yeah. I'm doing it the wrong way. <laughs> no, no, I mean, like, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I do think it, it's a legitimate I do it all way. manually. Yeah, I do. Um, I do the same thing. I do it manually. I've, do you have a cache eviction policy for your manual disk based cache? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Depends on what I'm doing. Right. I yeah. like to, but sometimes they're just like, they, n- so I've done apps before where they never wanted it to go away. Right. Which I kind of thought was a. I felt kind of bad and about so doing it. And you kind of don't need like so with the f- again. I think it was iOS five when Newsstand started with the automatic downloads. I think Apple changed how frequently files are actually deleted from disk. So I think there's always been in the API when you get a reference to somewhere you can write data, you can ask for the documents directory or you can ask for a cache directory. Yes, and. I think the API documentation's always said anything you write to the cache directory, you can't rely on staying around. But it wasn't until yeah, it was always newsstand. staying around. Right? Yeah, it was always staying around. And then it was newsstand that they changed that. They like actually started making it go away. And I think it basically is as you the user runs out of space on their device, it starts deleting the cache directories mm. f- from the apps that use the most space, or okay. know, they got some policy. So these days, like you could probably get away with if you're doing explicit caching yourself, not actually having your own application level cache yeah, policy because you could rely on the fact that the OS is going to clear those cache directories. Yeah, as long as you put it in the correct directory. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think Apple actually started enforcing. I had. Yeah, the, the, their, their documentation, uh, the documentation definitely is very adamant that you should be using the correct they, locations. And they actually for files. even contacted developers who apps, who's had apps approved in the store that were writing uh, non permanent data to the documents directory saying, unless you change it, we're going to pull your app. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, basically the rule was if you can download it from the web and re-download it from the web, then it shouldn't be in the documents directory. It should be in the cache directory. Right. Interesting. I so so for, for the purposes of what I do, right, um, I have, because I've got two apps that do that use this sort of stuff. They use files in, in various ways. Um, progressions probably uses files the most because it generates files uh, and uh, allows you to import files from places. Um, all of those files go into the uh, into the um, into the documents directory, um, but I do generate them for other things, right? Because I don't I don't just it depends on where you go where you're sending it. So if you're wanting to send a a, a chart by as a text file. Uh, via email, then there's no point putting it in the documents directory because a the document direct documents directory, which is available through iTunes, uh, gets gets crowded very quickly, and you don't want that. Um, so, what uh, what I do is I generate it in the cache cache directory, 
Uh, you've got me all confused with your you pronouncing it two different I'm just, ways. I'm just varying. You're actually. you're just going in. So and out. half the time I'm pissing off half the people. Yeah, right. Good. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with with Cash and just piss off everybody. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I generated in the in in the Cache directory, and then I um, and then you know if if they're wanting to you know export it by iTunes, I send it to the iTunes uh, so to the document directory, and otherwise. Otherwise, I just uh, you know put it in the cache and leave so it. So these are not things that you can't recreate. Like yeah. So these are, these are files that are that are generated out of a core data store, right? Because right? the, and the app uses core data. Directory. And so the and then well, the core data store is stored in the library directory, which is where it's supposed right. to go. Yeah. Uh, if you do, you can actually export it to the to the documents directory if you want to send it somewhere. So you can yeah. uh, you can create a backup which puts it in the documents directory. Um. That was a real pain in the ass to uh, to make that happen too. You should see my code for for core data with um with progressions. It's uh it's a Frankenstein monster. That's where we should definitely talk about. Core we can data we can talk yeah. about core data soon. Probably it's core today. data, guys. Oh, sorry. <laughs> jeez, <laughs> jeez. Uh, but yeah, it, it, I think it's. I think the thing is, is that uh, you know, I I don't think you're wrong, Ben, for for you know, doing things manually. I think that's perfectly legit. Um, I do things manually. I do it for for progressions, and I do it for for um you know multiplex and uh, for images even. So um, I just I just had the impression I had done it manually in the past, and I hadn't needed to for a while. And I uh, re looking at this for the first time in Yonks, and thought just have this vague feeling that more of this should be handled automatically for me now. Um, but maybe I'm misunderstanding the APIs. I've got a yeah. If anyone knows, like. To what extent NSURL connection caching happens automatically? Is there an upper limit on the response sizes that will be cached on disk, or are there limits in just in general? Really? Yeah, like, um, that'd be great. And uh, I'll try and read up on it myself again um, and clarify. But yeah, and we can follow up on it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's probably about all we got time for. Um, if you want to read any of the things that we have, I think there's really only one or two. Uh, you can go to the website for our show notes. Uh, they are at mobilecouch.co forward slash 17. Not 717. I shouldn't have paused there. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, like I said before, you can go to mobilecouch.co forward slash contact. Uh, that sends us an email. You can also jump on Twitter, uh, underscore mobilecouch or mobilecouch on app.net. Uh, if you want to talk to us individually, you can do that. You can get in touch with Jake and tell him about, uh, you know, the things that he's, uh, requested help with, with Xamarin. Uh, he's on Twitter under, uh, J McMullen, J M A C M U L L I N, uh, and it's the same on app.net. It is. If you want to talk to Ben, and he's the, uh, he's the friendly and good looking one of the, of the bunch, Hello. uh, you can, you can talk to him. Uh, he is Ben Trengrove, B E N T R E N. G-R-O-V-E on both app.net and Twitter. And I am Jelly Bean Soup on Twitter and Jelly on app.net. That's it. We look forward to talking to you in a couple more weeks' time. Uh, it's been great having you join us. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.